0: You are listening to the Better Together Podcast, brought to you by the National Association of Free Will Baptists. Welcome to the Better Together podcast, where we look for ways we can work together to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today we have with us Dr. Ian Hawkins. He's an associate professor of biology and chairman of the Department of Arts and Sciences and coordinator of science programs at Welch College in Gallatin, Tennessee. He has undergraduate degrees in biology and biochemistry from East Carolina University in Greenville, North Carolina. He also has a Master of Science degree in biology from Vanderbilt University and a Ph.D. in chemistry from Middle Tennessee State University. So, Dr. Hawkins, thank you for joining us and being with us today, my friend. Absolutely. It's good to be here. So you have a background in science, you have worked really as a scientist and uh, a lot of times today it feels like we're at odds with science and there may even be some Christians that say it really doesn't matter or I really don't want to get into science and Uh, maybe even some folks that would be in public schools or public universities, private non-Christian universities, thinking, ah, I don't need to worry about evolution or try to ignore science. Uh, Why don't we start out today by you just talking a bit about why creation, why science and all of that. What does it matter to us today as Christians?
1: Yeah, so I think, um, at least for me, the last 10 years I've seen a – kind of a switch in this particular uh, subject matter and the conversations that are being had. And it's it's kind of interesting to me that, that uh, especially in my undergrad and graduate career and my early teaching career, that a lot of the arguments were about facts and dealing with the specific details and things. And those are still important, but it does seem like there's been a transition To talk about the deep things that creation sort of lays out for us, that really our culture is having you know big big issues with these days, and it's it's fascinating to watch, um, especially from the theological point of view, to look back at Genesis one. And I mean, even in the conversations I've had with people recently about about creation, it seems like now everybody's realizing the importance of of the early chapters of Genesis and. Laying that foundation for uh, for us as humans, you know, when we talk about things like uh, you know gender and uh, our purpose in life and who we are and our identity and all that kind of stuff, really is that foundation's laid so early there in the first few chapters of Genesis. And so it's fascinating to hear people have this conversation, but it kind of from a different perspective now mm-hmm. to to realize the importance of those sort of foundational issues and saying we we need to recover this. We need to. Uh, go back
0: and, and remember that foundation that's so important. So maybe at one point, people, some people maybe didn't think it was that big of a deal. And what you're saying is with all oh, that's happening with maybe gender issues, transgender issues and so forth, that people are like, uh-oh, Uh, That was a big deal. Yes. It's, yeah. I mean, just the whole
1: idea of identity, like who we are, is so much laid out in those first early chapters of Genesis. Um, And so I think now, you know, used to the argument would be, well, which camp do you find yourself in? And, you know, how are you looking at those first few chapters? And now it seems like, at least collectively, most of those groups are saying, well, Whatever it is that we believe about those, there's certainly some very, very important foundational things about our identity that, you know, if, if we are created by God in the image of God, uh, if we're created male and female, like all these things that sort of are factually listed there in the first few chapters of Genesis, like that just has such a profound effect uh, for us as who we are. You know, if we're in the image of God, that that just lays out a, a huge purpose and direction and and quality of life that... I think people are searching for these days, mm-hmm. and so I think many in the Christian uh, community, rightly so, have gone back to Genesis and said, "We need to spend some more time here. This is really important. We've kind of neglected
0: it because we didn't want the controversy, but we really need to." We've got to, to go it. back and so unpack that a bit. Uh, being made in the image of God, and and really that comes down to it. You know, why does creation matter? Because we're beings that were created in the image of God. So what does that mean uh, when we say uh, Imago Dei? We say that we're made in the image of God. Yeah, so so
1: I think so much of the, especially chapter 1 in Genesis, lays out like a number of things that kind of are clearly defined that I, I would say generally it really doesn't matter your perspective, like your what particular scientific perspective that you would take Regarding those fierce few chapters of Genesis, like that, you know, the fact that we're, you know, created out of nothing, the fact that we're created in the image of God, that creation is good, that that God not only creates us in his image, but also bestows upon us a job. Like he, he basically tells us to be fruitful and multiply. There's this purpose behind um, uh, us being created. So all those things I think combined are kind of the things that we're going back to. And the image of God is such a, I think, a massive thing there. In fact, I was listening. <clears throat> Um, uh, a couple days ago to a podcast, and they were talking about the specific wording that's used there. And in essence, the way it was described was that in essence, what what the author is saying here, that God is saying here in Genesis 1 is that Basically, you know, you guys are used to making images out of objects, Mm -hmm. right? You're used to making these images, and there's this idea that 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 image becomes your God. And, of course, there's all this about idolatry in the Old Testament. But what God is, in essence, saying is, like, I've already given you a picture of the image of God, and it's you. Like, I've already done it. It is Mm -hmm. you as human beings. And so that – not only does that give us a a huge – Importance, but it also a, a massive responsibility that we, in essence, are the image bearers. So how do we, how do we then live out that? And part of that, uh, it just flows right into the job that he gives us there in, in chapter one about being fruitful and multiply, subdue the earth. So there's clearly this understanding that that we are made in the image of God with certain. Uh, people would talk in science about certain qualities right the idea of being rational and things like that that would lay out this sort of connection um, like we're not the same as God but we certainly are given um, characteristics that would be similar to God in those in those manners um, and that then that requires responsibility for us to then go and do um, what he's called us to do so that uh, you know in, in our day and age the the, the types of arguments and, and discussions that we're having in our culture now this is just profound mm. Profound. Um, another example yesterday, I was listening to that there was a recent story I think out of New York where a child had been bullied by by their peers. Yes. In fact, really hurt and committed suicide. You know, soon thereafter, and it just broke my heart just thinking. You know that we haven't recaptured that idea of the image of God that that every person is is made with, uh, with you know purpose and responsibility and and care. And so. I think recapturing that is what what our culture is kind of looking for. Yes.
0: So so you're sitting here and you're talking about how important the image of God is. You're saying this with all this scientific background. We should point out all of the training was in uh, secular settings, uh, secular universities, uh, non-Christian universities. So how is it that we're able—some people are like, hey, what we're learning in— Many of those universities is the opposite of what we yeah. learn about, the image of God. How is it that we're able to uh, instill that in young people uh, and and do that ourselves if we should be in those settings where we know, what, know about the real image of God and what creation is really all about? Yeah.
1: This, is, I think, goes back to what I was talking about earlier about this huge shift, because I think you're right from a from a secular scientific standpoint, you know, the message has kind of been like, well, really, there's nothing There's nothing really special about human beings. There's really nothing special about creation. You know, it's just an accident. You know, I think the quote that's used often is Richard Dawkins, who says, you know, if we look out into the world, you know, we basically see the things we expect to see if there's at bottom, like, no purpose, no goal. Like, you know, so he sort of reiterates that kind of secular thinking. Um, and so I, I do think this is kind of the reason why we're having these cultural questions is because you know the secular world seems to indicate that like, you know, basically nothing that you do matters. You don't really matter. You're kind of just an accident. Um, and so it, it's interesting to me that we see it's almost as if humans just can't live that way. Mm-hmm. So if that's, if that's sort of what you end up with, if you, if your educational journey ends you to that point point. It's almost odd to watch what's happening in culture that we sort of for even for rightly or wrongly let's just let's just assume for accepting that we can separate facts like humans just literally can't live that way yeah. and so there's this pushback that's happening now I think and that's what's driving a lot of this cultural um angst is that you know you have the secular side saying, well you really don't matter it really doesn't matter and yet culture's saying yes. all the time that no it does matter so there's this odd. There's this odd connection between what the secular universities are saying on one hand and what the culture is trying to drive home. There's this odd uh, kind of
0: dichotomy. And we've kind of had the consequence of that. You kind of alluded to it earlier, with the whole transgender (coughs) business is part of that. You undermine Genesis 1. Uh, You could even say the suicides. You could say the... Drug overdoses, deaths as a result of drug overdose and so forth is a consequence of just saying, we're all deterministic, you know, you, yes. you don't have choices and uh, what will happen will happen. So uh, parents listening to this, maybe even a young person, a secular university, how is it that they can go about developing a biblical worldview? And we can even think of it from your standpoint. Right. You know, you start out at East Carolina, go to Vanderbilt, and then to Middle Tennessee State. Um, I don't think you developed that biblical worldview at East Carolina. Right. Uh, so where did that come from, and how did that happen?
1: Yeah, so my, I mean, my background was um, a big thanks to my parents who, who raised me in a Christian home, um, uh, in a very stable home. So I had a lot of advantages in that regard, and then, and then being in a local church that, that Taught biblically, um, uh, and and basically throughout my entire um, elementary, high school career, lived in in that world that constantly fed me. You know, um, these basically these principles. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember in college, well, and I had some good experiences in college. So when I was at ECU, one of my professors in chemistry was a Christian, and mm-hmm. he. There was a couple times I remember in specific lectures where he would push back a little bit against the secular. Thinking, um, j- just to basically have students say, okay, you know, we tell you this, and you assume that what we tell you is just true, and you take it at face value. I want you to be critical, not only of, you know, maybe your background or where you come from, but also what we're telling you. You know, if if you're go- if you're going to listen to professors, they're going to basically the, you know, deconstruct. That's the popular word now. Deconstruct your previous worldview. You need to also realize that. Then you need to con- deconstruct what they're telling you as well. Yes. Um, so it was very, it was a very good experience for me from that perspective, having a professor. Not, not all my professors were that way, mm-hmm. but, but it was good to hear from somebody who had sort of been through through that.
0: And at the same, same time, thing. you're also still tied to that church and that family. Yes. Uh, while you're going to East Carolina, so it's not like you're away uh, with a whole new culture, a whole new yes. set of friends, yes. uh, which is a big part of it as well.
1: Yeah, that was really helpful for me. I mean, I had the luxury of—I of, went to school in the same—obviously the same town where my, my church was, so I was still highly involved and everything like that, and that really is a big benefit. And I remember I had I had friends um, at, at college that had come from other cities, even locally in the area, and it was— very difficult for them to stay involved, and that's one thing you know um, I think is something I guess we fall down on is you know having college kids be a part of local ministries. Unfortunately, I think the way the system is set up these days is when they go to college, at secular universities, there's a lot of good Christian organizations that work on campuses, but oftentimes it's separate from the local church. Mm-hmm. So I had a lot of friends who were very involved in Christian organizations, but when college ended. It was hard for them to get back in the church because they had sort of, you know, they were in college. They had been in sort of college Christian ministries, but it was separate from the local right. church. So it was hard for them to get out, get involved in, and so forth.
0: So, yeah. so I think what I hear you say it's almost twofold. <clears throat> All through childhood, it sounds like you were being taught about the image of God. You were being taught the Word of God, both at home and also uh, in your in your church situation. You end up going to college, but you're still tied into a a local church, uh, which is different than being like with CREW or uh, all those organizations are good, but it's I think you're telling us that it's important to be part of a local church and involved in in people. And so I'm listening to this. I'm a parent. I've got a kid going to East Carolina. I'm calling one of those churches in Greenville, or I've got a kid going to NC State. I'm calling... The guys over at Haven and saying, "Hey, so and so is coming your way. Would you reach out to him?" And I'm encouraging him. You know, would you stop by those particular churches and give them a try to try to keep them involved where they're at? Yeah,
1: that's really important. Um, And I mean, the other thing I think as a as a parent, uh, so I have a I have a. Uh, 11 year old and an eight year old, two boys. And my oldest is very inquisitive. Mm -hmm. So he's asking, you know, the questions that I asked when I was 20, he's asking now that he's 11. (laughs) And so, you know, one of the things I think is helpful and was helpful for me, certainly later when I was in graduate school was having people who I could, you know, ask questions about, well, like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm dealing with this in class, or somebody's asking me about this question, you know, how do I, how do I handle this? And that was really important for me and having people who are. You know, just open and honest. Um, I hope I hope that's what I'm doing with my son. Just saying, any question is fine. Yeah, let me sit down with you, and I may not know all the answers, but at least I can we can walk with it together. You know, we can find the answers or figure out. You know, uh, walk that road with you. And I think that's maybe some of the things we haven't necessarily always done a good job. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes we shut down questions, and honestly, for some students, it's not necessarily they have to have the perfect answer to the question. They just want to know that you're. You have walked that pathway too, you know. Mm-hmm. You, you have asked those questions. You have thought about those issues. You you know, you have sort of walked that pathway before them.
0: And instead of shutting them down and saying, "Hey, don't <clears throat> don't ask that or don't yes. wonder about that," you're you're trying to help them explore and maybe get information through answers in Genesis or other organizations, helpful organizations out there to uh, try to answer some of the difficulty difficult questions they run into.
1: Yeah, there's so much good material out there these days, you know, um, the, the advent of the internet and a lot of stuff like that, while, while it, you know, it you have to navigate it, it, but it does provide just so much information that's really helpful, um, you know, if you have a, a a child or a student in your congregation who's working, you know, walking through questions that you're maybe you're not sure about.
0: There's Mm -hmm. definitely good people that have answers for it. And so with that answers in Genesis, what would some other, anything else come to your mind that would be helpful for parents as they're trying to teach their kids about creation and truth uh, in the settings they're going into?
1: Absolutely, yeah. So Answers in Genesis and also the Institute for Creation Research, so Mm -hmm. ICR.org. They're both good uh, young earth creationist organizations that produce really good stuff. Um, the other, the other one I would recommend, especially if your student is very, like, very interested in science, like wants to get into like the details. I think the intelligent design movement has put out a lot of good stuff from the scientific perspective to give Mm -hmm. students, um, some, uh, some broad based facts about what they're listening to and hearing from their teachers at school that really helped them sort of get a broader perspective. Cause I think sometimes, especially in high school, but even in college, because your professor's giving you kind of one point of view. Um, and that's true no matter, no matter who the professor is, giving you one point of view. It's just helpful to have like other resources. And I think they do a great job of providing those other scientific resources to kind of give you some perspective.
0: That's good. And so we also want to encourage folks to utilize this, the D six curriculum resources, uh, Church training services, uh, the Bible memorization, the different uh, doctrine, and they learn about the image of God in those particular uh, endeavors. Uh, All of those are good resources they can find as well at d6family.com. So maybe check that out.
1: Yes, and uh, saying that too, you know, I know some parents, I'm sure some parents are are nervous uh, specifically about the scientific issues. And I would just tell them, you know, obviously that might not be your area of expertise. But, I mean, if you if you really teach your child the biblical foundations and then walk your child through why these issues that the biblical the narratives talk about, why it's so important to them, I think that just goes a long way. Because mm-hmm. we're seeing – I was at a, a talk recently where we are talking about different perspectives about how to handle Genesis. And uh, the students who were listening to us gave us some feedback, and a lot of them were saying – you know, like, we're not really that concerned anymore about, you know, evolution versus young earth versus, like, that's not what we really care that much about. We're actually looking for answers about purpose and mean, going back mm-hmm. to the image of God question. So it does seem like their questions have changed in the past 20 years, where mm-hmm. they're not as much concerned about, you know, the, the the scientific detail factual, but like, okay, what does that mean? Like, just because you tell me that this is what's happening, you know, wherever in the scientific facts, like, I want to know what this means for me and how I should live and stuff like that. And that's that's where I think every parent is well-equipped to help their child, you know, walk through that. You know, when a child starts asking a question about who am I and who's yeah. my identity, like, walking them through Genesis just has a, I mean, a profound foundational uh, a meaning to them. And it, it, that withstands you know, the the questions they may get later
0: on in life when they're walking through college science class. That's great. Hey, thank you so much for providing us with this information today. This is very helpful to us, Dr. Hawkins.
1: Yes, I appreciate it being here. Thank you.
0: Hey, and we want to thank you all for listening. Please take this podcast, share it with someone that uh, would benefit from it. Remember, every little thing we do helps. We truly are better together.